How's it going this morning? I really liked those announcements. You may or may not know. I'm one of the pastors here at PSCC, but I am um, also the women's pastor. So ladies, I got to speak to you right now. This Friday night is going to be amazing. Ooh, there go my notes. Could I get somebody to bring me my water? We don't want these flying everywhere all service. Um, on um, Friday night, if you the, the purpose of Friday night, this Friday night is a ladies' night, but it's really all about being known. If you have ever been here at our church and you've thought, I've met a lot of great people, but I don't feel like I know anybody. I don't feel like anyone really knows me. This is the Friday night that I want you to come to. We're going to have a lot of laughter. We're not going to put you on the spot necessarily, but we're going to get to know each other. There's going to be some ladies sharing some parts of their hearts. We're going to tell some funny stories, and then we're going to talk together. We're going to be able to get to know one another in a way that maybe we haven't before. So please, this Friday night, it is the night. Ladies, can I count on you to be there? Yeah. I'm excited. The other thing is the Moms with Littles on Tuesday mornings. You know, I lead that group because I am a mom with Littles. As many of you know, I have a three-year-old and a three-month-old at this moment in time. And I just, I got to connect with some of my friends. I've got to get out of the house sometimes because let's be honest, we go crazy at home. There's only so much um, Nick Jr. that you can watch. So please come hang out with us on Tuesday mornings. Again, if you don't know me, my name is Kari, and uh, Pastor Lance and Polly, they're on their second week. We kind of sent them off as a staff. We shooed them away to get a little bit of time alone in celebration of their 10 years of being our pastors here at PSCC, and I think that that is something to celebrate, don't you? So they'll be back with us. Um, actually, well, I mean, they're, they're back tomorrow. They're with us this week, so just be praying for them, though, that the Lord would bring refreshment to them in this time. We are in the second of a two-week series called boundaries. Boundaries are one of those things that we kind of think everybody else needs, right? Like, oh man, they seriously need some boundaries. You can see it in people's lives when they just keep going and going and they don't stop. People who are exhausted, people who are zapping our life, but we don't necessarily want boundaries for ourselves, do we? Boundaries seem to stand in the way of our pursuit of freedom. And so when people tell us that there's a place at which we have to stop, whether it be in our spiritual lives in the areas called sin, whether it be in our emotional lives and our family lives with our time, how do we spend our time? We don't want anyone to tell us to stop. In our relationships, we want to either be there for someone as much as we want or we want to retract away as much as we want with no boundary because we think that it gets in the way of freedom. Last week, we talked about how freedom probably isn't what you think it is because freedom, church, is not lack of boundaries. Freedom is lack of oppression. Freedom is lack of addiction. And so in our pursuit of freedom, because Christ has set us free, do you know that? That the Bible says that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So as we're pursuing God and all the freedom that he has for us, we, God wants us to live within a certain set of boundaries that protect us from the enemy. If you asked the nation of Israel what boundaries were and what they were for, they would probably tell you, you know, they had a lot of experience with that. They were a country without a home for many, many years. They were a nation. Our nation, we, we define ourselves by our borders. We talk a lot about those these days. But they lived without borders for a long time. They were nomadic. And then they lived in Egypt. They became enslaved in Egypt. And then when they were set free, they still wandered around in the desert for 40 years. Before they were finally able to have a home. A place called the promised land. And that place was defined by boundaries. On one side of the boundary, they had safety. 
And on the other side, they were open to attack. Now, church, I think many of us misunderstand boundaries, but I also think that many of us as Christians are like the Israelites when they've left Egypt before they get to the promised land called home, called safety. Jesus has set us free from our sin. Jesus has set us free from our addiction. But we're wandering around aimlessly just trying to find a place with rest, a place with purpose, a place with life. We're going from place to place wondering when we'll finally get there. I think though this morning God is saying to us, I have a home for you. I have boundaries for you. And you're going to like them a lot. Last week we talked about how King David spiritualized that very thing that happened to Israel. In Psalm 16, 5 through 6, he talks about boundaries and he says, Lord, you, have, you alone are my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Last week we talked about how God's purpose for boundaries is to set us free. But church, I don't think that boundaries are the destination in our journey. Do you? Some of us treat them that way. We treat boundaries like once we get healthy boundaries, finally everything will be perfect. I think that Israel probably thought that when they moved into the promised land, that they thought once we're there, we're set. No more being enslaved, no more wandering around. But they didn't think much beyond just that concept of finally coming home. But I don't believe that boundaries are the destination for us, church. I believe that boundaries are the first step in the life that God has for us. I believe that God wants to set boundaries in place for us so that we can accomplish the purposes that he has for us on this earth, so that we can have good relationships. Boundaries set us up for all that he has for us. Will you pray with us? Pray with me this morning. Lord God, you are good. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Church, right where you're at, if you, if you feel comfortable praying, would you just pray in your seat and say, God, you are welcome here. God, I thank you that your light wants to come and dwell here and the darkness cannot contain it. Lord God, I thank you that you want to speak to us. Lord Jesus, I pray that right now, anything that would come in opposition to this moment, as we speak your word, as we speak your truth, God, I pray in Jesus' name it would be gone by the power of the blood of Jesus. We just pray covering over this place. Holy Spirit, come. God, I thank you that you, God, I thank you that you want to speak deeply to our hearts this morning that there is healing that's going to happen this morning. God, I thank you that there is freedom that's going to happen. And God, I thank you that there is clarity for the situations, discernment for the situations that we are facing. God, you are good. May your name be praised and worshiped above all else. In your name we pray. Amen. You know, in my life, last week we talked about how boundaries really create a home for us. Now, in my heart in my, um, or in my home. I, I love the walls that are around my home. I really do. I'm grateful for them. They keep the cold out and they keep the good in, don't they? They keep that warm in. I've, I don't have great heating in my house. It's baseboard heating. Does anybody else have baseboard heating? So like in your, in that one room that the baseboard heating is on, you're like tank top, shorts, you're sweating. And then you move to like the other room without the baseboard and you're like, what is this? Is like two different houses. That's beside the point. I'm just talking about how much I hate my heating. Um, <laughs> But the walls of our home keep the cold out and they keep the warm in. They keep the life that we have in. But I don't think much about my walls. I think that if I didn't have walls to my house, I would notice. But 
The walls of my house are just there. Sometimes we treat boundaries like once we set them, we have to like guard them. You know, you're like the neighbor who's always looking out the window, making sure that robbers don't come in. You're focused on that. But if we only lived up against the walls, if we only just looked trying to protect our house, we would miss the life that was happening in our house, wouldn't we? My, my baby girl rolled over for the first time this week, which was like a miracle. Like every mom, I was getting nervous. I was like, you're three months, but like, I don't want you to hit four months without rolling over. If I would have had my back to her and my eyes outside of my boundary, I would have missed the life happening inside my house. I would have missed all that God has for me because the good stuff is what happens inside your house, not on the walls. You know, what we keep in, when God sets boundaries for us, the purpose is not to hurt us, it's to protect us and to keep all of his blessing, all of his life, all of his purpose inside. You know, in uh, Psalm 16 is where David was talking about, God, you are my portion, you are my cup, you keep my lot secure. But just a few verses down, he talks about this thing, that when we have boundaries in our life, we end up having great life. It's verse 11. He says, God, you make known to me the path of life. You fill me with your joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. You know, the things that God puts in our lives, the, the treasures that he puts inside of our homes, if we had no boundaries, if we had no walls, how easy would it be for a thief just to come in and snatch it all up? It would be, we, would be, we would have no protection and actually, Satan in the Bible is called the thief very often. Did you know that? That's like another word, another name for Satan. And Jesus, at this certain point in time in, in John 10, 10, he's talking about Satan. And he says, this is his purpose on the earth. And he said, but this is mine. He gives a really clear snapshot into God's intention for us. He said this is in John 10, 10, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give life and life abundant. Another translation says, give them a rich and satisfying life. Setting up boundaries can hurt our flesh. But that's not God's intention. His intention is to release all of his blessing on you. You know, your home looks different than my home. My home, I have like very set up the exact way that I like it. If you tried to fold clothes in my house, I would kind of freak out because I've got a system. Like I, I fold clothes so that they stand up. Have you ever seen that so that they stand up and I can just like look to see all the tops of my clothes? If you tried to fold the clothes in my house, I would be like, please don't. This is, this is my unique way that I live my life. You may have those things in your life too. Spiritually, it's the same way. God has created you with a unique purpose, with a unique gifting. Do you know that he's created you on purpose? He has things that he wants for you to do. But I'm convinced that if we live our lives without spiritual, emotional, relational boundaries... Those things no longer become safe. We don't set our boundaries around our purpose. We find God's purpose for us inside of them. Do you think that there's an exact plan for your life? You know, we talk about God's will for us, and I love what Pastor Lance says, and that he believes that probably 98% of God's will for your life is already found in the Bible. That if we conform our lives to the way that God intended for us to live, we'll be right in the center of his will. And that extra 2%, though, is what makes us unique. It's what makes us different. Your home is going to look different than my home. But we have to let God be the one who will set our boundaries. Because this is so important, church. I don't want you to miss this. The life that we live 
becomes the inheritance that we leave. I'll say that again. The life that we live becomes the inheritance that we leave. I'm not super, um, to me, inheritance growing up was kind of one of those church, church words. You know those church words that you hear inside a church all the time, but you never hear them as soon as you leave church? I, uh, I don't, I've got a lot of those words. I won't talk about them right now. But one of those words for me was inheritance. The only time I ever heard about inheritance was like when I was younger, and it was like Paris Hilton. She's an heiress. You know, like that was my only concept. Because in our lives, in our world, we don't leave inheritances the way that we used to. In fact, we're pretty lucky if we get out debt-free. And the only time that I hear about inheritance was always like somebody's rich uncle. And I'm like, why don't I have a rich uncle? Why don't I have a rich uncle with no kids? I want that inheritance. The best situation that I had in um, discovering what inheritance was really like was a few years ago. My husband and I had just gotten married. We had been married maybe six months. And my grandparents moved from their home into a nursing home. And they were downsizing. I mean, they had a beautiful two-story house just packed with stuff. And they were moving into a one-bedroom apartment. And so they told our family, they said, okay, you guys, here's the deal. We want you just to come through and take anything you want. Which I was just newly married, so that was like, hallelujah! I would love to shop your house. (laughs) We had just gotten married, and our house already was like kind of filled with stuff. Have you experienced that? Those of you that are married, like you first get married, and all of a sudden all this stuff appears. You get blessed with gifts from people, but also like you're pulling stuff out of your closets and you're like, this is a box full of notebooks with one page used, every single one of them. How is this possible? That was the kind of stuff that my husband and I brought into our marriage. Um, we were, I was 23, he was 21 when we got married, because I'm a cougar. I, I like him young. Um, so <laughs> we moved into, we, we got married, we moved in together. So the stuff we brought to our marriage was not necessarily like, quality stuff he literally moved like he he bought a home but he moved from his parents home into this home so like it was his childhood bedroom stuff it was just it was nice I'm sure we got rid of all of it I'm probably embarrassing my husband (laughs) um I love you babe so when we went into my grandparents home it seemed like they had the same like proportion of stuff per space that we did but the stuff we found was different every single item was beautiful or at least well taken care of it was like i would i would like turn the corner and i was looking at things in a way that i'd never looked at them before it's like it used to be their dining room table but now it's like this pristine mid-century piece of furniture that you can't find anywhere else that i know if i sold it on craigslist it would be two thousand dollars like it was your mind just was blown because it was the life that they had lived they had taken care of things along the way we went through their rooms and realized this was their story This was their life. And it was such a blessing to be able to receive some of those things. I mean, you know, we were just newly married, and so my husband went into the garage where there were all of my grandpa's tools, and no one else in the family really needed tools, but we did. And one of my favorite moments, my grandpa's passed away now, probably one of my favorite moments of my entire life with him was watching my husband grab a crate and just start shoveling in all these tools. (laughs) And then watching my grandpa just be so blessed by that. Oh, these things that I have, I'm going to pass on to my children's children. At that point, um, he had been diagnosed with cancer. He knew that his time wasn't long. It was a blessing for him to give, and it was a blessing for us to receive, and it meant so much. The inheritance that God wants for you, do you know you have one? Whether you live your life for the Lord or not, you're going to leave an inheritance. 
a spiritual inheritance, the life that we live becomes the inheritance that we leave. In Proverbs 2, 8 through 11, it talks about the choices that we make. So he's talking about the Lord. He says, he guards the path of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. Then you will understand what is right, what is just and fair, and you will find the right way to go. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will fill you with joy. Catch this. The wise choices you make will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. When you allow the Lord to fill your heart with wisdom and you make wise choices, those choices aren't just for right now. They're going to watch over you. They're going to take you into eternity. Your children are going to benefit from the wise choices you make, no matter how old your children are. God wants us to build an inheritance that's worthy of the kingdom of God because we can't take our stuff into the next world. But what we can take is the treasures that we, that we have in heaven. God wants us to build an inheritance that's based on him that will bless us and our children and our spiritual children and our grandchildren. I learned a lot about inheritance this week. Like I said, I didn't know much about it. So most of my study time for this weekend was spent combing through scriptures that have the word inheritance in them or inherit. There's over 250 scriptures in in the Bible that just have those two words in them, inheritance or inherit. Not to mention all of the other scriptures that just talk about it without using the exact word. And I was seeking God because I said, God, I don't understand what an inheritance really is in your kingdom. And so I spent time going through verse after, after verse, writing down the purpose of inheritance in each one of those verses, what it tells us about God. And I learned a lot. I learned that biblical inheritance, the word, of in, the word inheritance is synonymous with the word home. You can use them interchangeably. Same thing with, with inheritance in Israel. You could just use those words interchangeably in the Old Testament. God says, I want to bless your inheritance. And the people of Israel knew that means I want to bless your home. They knew that that means I want to bless your land. I learned that inheritance can be won. I learned that inheritance can be given through family. And I learned that inheritance can be given through marriage. When I learned that, that just exploded my heart because I realized there is inheritance that we're going to fight for that was not ours to begin with. But I'm so grateful that we are children of God, adopted into his family so we can receive inheritance from him. I'm so grateful that we are the bride of Christ. So when we come to God, we are receiving inheritance through marriage. I learned that inheritance can only be released after somebody dies. But church, I know that my Jesus died for me. I know that he died releasing salvation onto his people as a spiritual inheritance. And that he didn't just die, he rose again, he ascended to heaven, and he's coming back. Amen? Amen. I learned that inheritance can be both material and spiritual. I learned that as God's children in his family, we are given the riches of his grace, kindness, patience, glory, wisdom, power, and mercy. I learned that God cares so much about an inheritance that he has one for himself. It's the nation of Israel. He talks about it a lot. I also learned that in scripture, the word boundary, if you find the word word boundary in scripture, almost, I wouldn't say almost always, but a great majority of the time, very quickly it's followed by the word inheritance. 
In the Bible, you can't separate boundary and inheritance. They go together. Church, I don't want us to fall prey to the lie that the enemy would say to us to say that we, if we have boundaries in our life, if we allow God to shape the way that we live, the way that we interact, that we are being stolen, that something's being stolen from us. God is giving us boundaries to set us up for success. God is giving us boundaries to set us up for great blessing. And I'm just going to throw this out there, for joy too. He wants to give us joy in whatever situation. Because when you live inside of God's boundaries, it's not that you're not going to face problems. You're not going to face trials. But in that moment, you are equipped with the word of God, with the power of God, to be able to take those things head on. And by the power of Jesus, you're going you're gonna to face those and you're going to win. Now, I learned one more thing about inheritance that really humbled me. I, I, I say this, really, as, as, I, as I studied scripture, I kind of got the fear of the Lord on me in this situation because I realized that there are some things that we can do in our own power, in our own flesh, that will affect the way that we live the rest of our lives, even though God wants the best for us. I learned that we can choose a different inheritance than the one God wants to give us. We see this in scripture in a few different places. Um, I'm going to be referencing some stories, kind of maybe telling them quickly, but I encourage you, if you're not familiar with them, please go into your Bible and read about them, because there's a lot more there. The first place was when Israel was moving from um, the wilderness into the promised land, there were two and a half tribes who had a lot of livestock, which in those days, livestock was your riches. It was your, it was everything. And they were right on the edge, about to enter into the land that God had promised them. God said, I'm going to bless you here. It's going to be flowing with milk and honey, everything you want. I want to give you. And they stood on the edge, and they looked around, and they said, you know what? We like it here. I know that it's probably pretty good over, he- over there, but, like, here's probably better for our um, livestock. So they asked Moses, their leader, they said, can we stay here? We don't really want to go into the promised land. And Moses was like, what? Why would you want to do that? That's insane. Don't you know that God has more for you? They said, no, this is, this is pretty good. So two and a half tribes settled on the outside of the promised land. And Moses blessed them in that, and I believe God even blessed them in that. They chose a different inheritance than the one God had for them. The problem was, there's a river running right between them and the rest of Israel. So they were, they were cut off from the rest of Israel. They could cross, but it wasn't the same. They decided to live outside the promised land. Now, they still were in Israel But they chose a different inheritance than the one that God had promised them, than the one that God had wanted. In fact, I think that they chose a material blessing over over a spiritual blessing. Because it was going to bless their livestock. But what would have happened if they had chosen to be right in the middle of the land God had promised them? There's another place, the prodigal son. I think a lot of us are familiar with that story. Jesus told the story of a father who had two sons. The older son was faithful. He did everything that the, that the father had asked him. But the younger son said, Dad, here's the deal. I don't want to live here anymore during the work that you're asking me to do. Could you just give me my inheritance now? And I'm going to go spend it however I want to spend it. You realize that the son, in asking the father that, was taking like probably almost half of his father's wealth. He said, I want to take my inheritance now. So he took that inheritance. He took the money, and he went, and he partied. He was with prostitutes. He ended up homeless, eating with animals. He made choices on how he wanted to spend his inheritance. 
Now, the point of that story was that the father welcomed him back with open arms when he wanted to come back. And that's what God wants to do for us when we run away from him. But I do think we're missing something in inheritance when we don't acknowledge that when the father died, the younger son probably had to live in the home of the older son. Because that older son who chose the inheritance that his father was going to give him the right way lived in it for the rest of his life. The younger son had chosen to give it up, and it affected him until the day he died. And the third one, it can really scare me if I think too much about it. I'm so grateful for a good God. Do you know that Jesus himself had a calling on his life, has an inheritance, which is the nation's? And when he was being tempted for 40 days in the wilderness, there's a time where he spent 40 days in the wilderness by himself fasting, and Satan came and tempted Jesus. Satan came to Jesus and he said, if you bow down and worship me, I will have all the nations worship you. Do you know that was Jesus' calling? Do you know that was Jesus' inheritance? Was that the nations would bow down and worship him? And in that moment, Jesus had an opportunity to receive a counterfeit inheritance, which on paper would have made it look like he succeeded in what God had sent him to do. He wouldn't have had to face the cross. He wouldn't have had to face the pain of winning that inheritance. But of course, Jesus said, no, get behind me, Satan. I'm not going there. When we choose a different inheritance than the one that God has promised us, at the least we are compromising. At the most, we are risking eternity. Church, when we say don't set your own boundaries, it's not just an issue of what foods you should eat or not eat. It's not just, a, it's not just an issue of what friends you should have or not have. God has a place that he wants you to live, and it's going to be safe. It's going to be home, and you are going to build eternity in that place. Um, do you ever have things in your life that you see, like maybe like behaviors that you observe in other people that you have kind of a, um, like you have a word for it in your mind, but you would never, you never say it out loud. Like the guy that you see that you're like, man, nicest guy in the world, can't remember his name. All I know is that he's bald. Like you have kind of that like thing in your head that you name, but you won't say it out loud. I've observed something in the church, um, growing up in the church, that I never probably have said out loud, but it's that thing that I've labeled in my mind. Boundaries are incredibly good. There's a book, I don't know if you guys have heard about the book that came out called Boundaries. It's over 25 years ago. I think that it probably, in my opinion, influenced the church in a way that no other book has in, in recent times. We talk about boundaries, but the thing that I have observed that I probably have always called in my mind is that there are some people who are boundaryaholics. They love boundaries. I had a small group leader one time who at the end of every small group, she would just be like, can I, borrow, can I loan you my book, Boundaries? You really need it. I know you need Jesus, but like you really need some boundaries. If you should just read this book. People love boundaries. Why? Well, because when we have them in our lives, it does exactly what God said it would do. It sets us free. And so there are some people who love boundaries so much in the Christian church that have decided, well, if a boundary set me free before, it's going to set me free for everything. So they face a hard time. God sets appropriate boundaries. They face a relationship that's maybe not toxic, just difficult, and they say, you know what, I just got to set some boundaries because my life is easier without you. Maybe they, God set some really great boundaries in the way they spend their time with their family, but then it becomes, you're just, you wake up some Sunday morning, you're supposed to serve in kids, 
and you just go, ugh, I'm tired. I just need to set some boundaries. I'm going to stop serving. Um, I, I'm going to this church. I really like the pastor, but, oh, he said something that I really don't agree with. So I'm going to set some boundaries, and I'm going to go to a different church. People set these boundaries in kind of arbitrary places as a reaction to difficulties in their lives. These people I call boundaryaholics. They can't get enough of the boundaries. The problem is, church, they're not actually setting boundaries. The Bible talks about these things, these decisions that we make, and calls them vows. Have you heard of a vow before? We talk about vows in marriage. It's that thing that we say that when we're getting married, I'm vowing that I'll stay your spouse, and it connects us for life in the kingdom of God. But when we make vows in our flesh, vows that we decide to make, do you know that spiritually it actually binds you to that, that thing exactly the same way? Those vows that you make in your flesh will set you up for life. And there are some Christians who God has set these incredible boundaries, but then they've said, well, no, I'm not going to do this, talk to them. I'm not going to have relationships here. I'm not going to serve here. And they just start setting more and more boundaries all around themselves until they actually just live here. God wants us to live here. Well, we just live here because our experience, we think it's our wisdom, but really, maybe it's our bitterness keeps us away from the full calling that God has for us. And these are people that we, you would say, I'm burned out. I can only live right here. Church, what's happened is that you've isolated yourself. And the Bible talks about this in Leviticus. It talks about vows, good vows and bad vows. Leviticus 5, 4 through 6 says, Suppose you make a foolish vow of any kind, whether its purpose is for good or for bad. Catch that. You can have a very good intention on your vow, and it can still be foolish. When you realize it's foolishness, you must admit your guilt. When you become aware of your guilt in any of these ways, you must confess your sin. Then you must bring it to, God, to the Lord as penalty for your sin. I think there's two things that God wants to do this morning. I think he wants to give some of us boundaries who have been wandering around, but I also think he wants to break some of us, out of our vows that have left us isolated. I have been praying for us, church, just seeking the heart of God. And um, last night I was driving around Tacoma because I, you know, can kind of just pray really well in the car. I was driving around and praying for us, and I feel like the Lord gave me a very specific word for our church this morning. I bring it to you in humility because it just, when the Lord spoke it to me, I just felt so in awe of who he is. I felt like the Lord has one thing to say to us this morning. He's saying, come home. Would you just come home? Would you put yourself inside of the boundaries that I've given you so that you can have freedom, so you can have rest? The Lord's also saying, would you just come out of your bedroom already? There's a whole, there's a kitchen over there. What are you doing? I just sense this, this, this um, word of the Lord for this morning, and his motivation is always, always, always love. You know, he, everything, he do, everything he does is to give us life, but the motivation behind everything he does is to give us love. Where are you this morning? I had a sense in my heart that there are some of you that are kind of like my baby girl. I have, again, I have a three-month-old named Oakley. And some of us, when it comes to the issue of boundaries, you've been fighting it. When Oakley goes to sleep, for a nap, she screams her way to sleep. Like, she scream fights as she goes to sleep. I'm holding her, and she's arching her back, and she's screaming. And I'd like to say it's cute, but actually it's the worst. It's totally the worst. 
But it's funny because she'll scream fight her way into something that she needs to go into. And just in one moment, she'll go from scream fighting to completely relaxed and developed in love. And in that moment, there's so much tenderness between her and I. She puts her head down on me and she's just out. Total safety, total security. I felt like the Lord was saying this morning that there are some of you that have been scream fighting boundaries. You have been saying, no, 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 no. I will not live that way. I'm not going to get myself burned again by serving in church. I'm not going to let myself have relationships again because people have hurt me. But what God is saying is, you may be scream fighting now, but the moment that you release your heart to me, there's going to be love. There's going to be peace. There's going to be rest. For some of you, there's not going to be that transitional time of getting used to it. You're just going to immediately go, God, why did I wait? Church, I want to pray this morning, but I don't want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. So right now, go ahead and close your eyes. We're going to pray together. But if you feel comfortable, would you put your hands out in front of you, maybe like you're you're receiving a package? Because I think that God wants to give something to you. Holy Spirit, Thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for your love that is in this room. God, I thank you for perfect love that casts out all fear. Love that drives us to step out in faith. Lord, I pray for the person today that didn't even know that there could be life lived. I thought that all it was was exhaustion until the day that we die. If that's you right now, I just want to speak to you and say, there is life in God. He wants to give you life and life abundantly. And if you feel like your life has been nothing but being killed and still and having things stolen from you and destruction, that that was not the hand of God. That is not his justice. That is Satan trying to get at the things that God's put in your life. Surrender to you, Father. God, I pray for the broken hearts that cannot see the purpose of this world. Lord, would you mend us right where we are? Now, if you are somebody who's saying, I need boundaries, I need to live inside of the walls that God has built for my home, can you just say this one word after me? Say yes. Yes, Jesus. Boundaries are not about saying no, they're about saying yes to what God has for you. And if you are somebody who has lived in the midst of these vows that have isolated you from your purpose and your calling in life, Leviticus tells us that all we have to do is we have to come when you realize your foolishness, admit your guilt. Come to God and say, God, would you break this vow off of my life? In Jesus' name, the Lord may show you specific vows that you've made that have kept you isolated. Would you just, before God, just repent of those? Tell him about them. Lord, I just speak freedom this morning. Freedom this morning. God, you are a good God who wants to set us free. God, would you, would your spirit release in this place and break our chains, Lord Jesus? Freedom. I'm reminded of the verse that we sang in worship that says, we will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Would you just receive the blood of Jesus on your life right now? And as you're going forward today, speak, tell somebody about what God's doing in your heart.
We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Church, we kind of went on a journey this morning. It wasn't a direct point A to point B, but I think that God wants us to learn as we go together. Now, if you can remember one thing as you leave today, can you remember that boundaries are not about saying no, they're about saying yes to God. Amen? All right, will you stand with me?